You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And it looks like we are live. Going to give Bawana Beast behind the scenes just a second here to enter in the Facebook group, our beloved Mile High Huddle Facebook group over uh, over that way. Looks like we are good to go. Five green check marks all the way across the board. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle's senior NFL draft analyst and, uh, again, one of my great friends, Eric Trickle. Eric, what's going on, man? How are we doing? Doing good. I'm super excited. I'm counting down the days till I'm finally done at my job and I'm actually working full time for right. MHH. So just looking forward to that. Excited for that. Unfortunately, I'm going to miss my first episode of Dove Valley Deep Divers next week, too. So like first one, but uh, and super excited. Lots going on. Just a lot of big changes and I'm happy for it. And I'm just super excited and super excited, as always, to be here talking Broncos football. Yeah, man. I mean, it always, it's always great to be talking Broncos football, just football in general with you. But I, I mean, you you can have a couple of days off every now and again if you need one. I mean, I've, I've taken. No, I don't know, want to be like you, Nick. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I I'm a busy man. I got a busy lifestyle behind the scenes that not everybody knows about. I, I work hard. I've I've got a lot of fun family vacations and stuff like that planned. And if you and make a slinging so. coke joke, I swear. I, well, I am your friendly neighborhood Coke dealer. So <laughs> no, it's, it, it is nice every now and again, you know, to, to, to have a break and to go have, have some fun family time and whatnot. We're going to have some family time later tonight, guys. We're going to have a short show for you guys. I know Eric has some stuff planned with his family. Um, there's a big car show in town for, uh, for my family tonight. We're going to go check that out and have some fun as well. So uh, like I said, quick show, but it's, it's going to be a very fun show for you guys tonight because uh, it was, uh, I believe Jeremy Fowler over at ESPN.com. Uh, wrote out a, a list and it was a it was a poll from all of the uh, what was it the NFL executives uh, front offices head coach and players and stuff like that ranking the top 10 tight ends they've been doing this for pretty much every position but the other day uh, I believe it was yesterday they put out the rankings for the top 10 tight ends in the NFL and our boy Broncos tight end Noah Fant did not make the cut and Eric I'm not I, I, I don't think you've actually read this list but just your your immediate gut reaction to Noah Fant not being considered a top 10 tight end in the league yeah I mean I don't know how he decided to pick his names but it seemed like name recognition and that's about it because I mean a lot of tight, tight ends on here is like watching them play like last few years a couple of them are dealing with major injuries like there's no reason for them to be in the top 10, not over Noah Fant. I know he was dealing with a high ankle sprain last year, but he still put up over 600 yards and was in the what top six, I think, was sixth overall in total yards from receiving from a tight end, missing a game. Like it, it, Noah Fant had a really good year, and everybody always seems to just sweep that under the rug, and they want to blame, sit there and make these cries that aren't true. But Noah Fant fully deserves to be on this top 10 list because the one that he made, there's at least – four names on there that I can see that they weren't deserving of it. Not over fan. Right. And, and like I said, this was a, a it was a poll of NFL executives, scouts, uh, front office personnel, coaches, players. I mean, there's, I don't exactly know how many people voted on this thing or what exactly were the parameters well, of it, but it, it, it does seem a little shady to me. To interrupt, interrupt real quick. It seems like they interviewed the Philadelphia front office because <laughs> both those tight ends made it. And neither one of them deserves it. 
Well, I, I mean, the New England front office has it has to be in there as well because John o. Smith and Hunter Henry both made it, and I'm not necessarily sure that you can make the argument for either one of those guys. I mean, you can make Hunter, the argument for Hunter Henry, and I will. Well, well, and 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 that's that's all fine and groovy. I mean, when he's on the field, he's damn sure a great tight end. But for the most part, the guy is. He, he's he's always hurt. I mean, he has a torn ACL. He's had hamstring issues. He had a hip issue, if I remember correctly. I think there were some concussion problems in there as well. Uh, he never really took off with the Los Angeles Chargers after they drafted him. I believe he's a second-round pick back, what, 2015, 2016, something like that. So, And he's never really taken off as this true elite receiving tight end and he's, he's a great blocker and he does have great receiving ability but your best availability or your best ability is availability and he just hasn't been that kind of a player for the last five seasons i mean you're not entirely wrong i mean he hasn't ever played a full season last year that was the case too he missed two games he missed uh four games in 2019 missed all of 2018 uh he missed four games in 20 or two games in 2017 and all but one in 2016. So, I mean, there's definitely a track record here, but I mean, like tight ends, you play, you play a very physical position. I mean, most tight ends, they do miss a game or two every season. And so he just kind of follows that trend. I mean, he still has put on 55 games that he's played in. He's still put in over 2,300 yards. That's pretty, that's pretty good. He's, I mean, catching almost 70% of his passes. I mean, 21 touchdowns over 51 games. Like those are some ridiculous numbers. And I'm not going to hold the fact that he's been hurt against him. I mean, last right. year, 14 games. And I mean, and the biggest reason why I think that label is there is for missing that 2018 season for with that injury. Right. Well, and, and that was the, the year that he had the torn ACL. But it's just it, it just seems like he's always nicked up. And I mean, you went you went through it, and it may not be a little bit as it may not be as bad as I thought that it was. But still, I mean, there's there is a, a point to being available. And I mean, Noah Fant, he played. I think it was all 16 games his rookie season um, last year. He only played 14 games. He was dealing with a high ankle sprain. But just the the athleticism and the receiving prowess that Noah Fant has, he might not be quite as good of a blocker he as Hunter Henry is. Games last year, by the way. Oh, so apparently I have a a wrong list here because the one that I have chosen is only playing in 14. But uh, regardless, I mean, he may may not be the – the, the, as great of a blocker as Hunter Henry is, because I think he's a fine blocker. He's probably a top five, six blocker in the NFL at the position. But I mean, the athleticism, the ability, the big, the big play ability that he has, the explosiveness that he has, that to me just automatically bumps him up, even with poor quarterback play. And this, I mean, this all goes into there's multiple different uh, aspects you got to take into consideration here. I mean, quarterback play, the scheme, what are what are the what are the coaches asking these players to do? There, this is a, a multifaceted conversation. It's a very fun one as well, but. Uh, before we get any deeper into this, I want to say hello to the chat, to everybody that's in here joining us on the Dub Alley Deep Divers podcast. Uh, Cody Potter, uh, Greg Smith, Aaron Litch, Mo jumping in the house, uh, Dave Glassman saying what's up here. We've got uh, Chad Hanner from Tulsa, Oklahoma, showing that Broncos country is not a geographical location. It is, in fact, a hashtag state of being. Um, obviously, our buddy... Uh, Malcolm Brown up in Homer, Alaska. We've got our pal in the house, Bawana doing the things behind the scenes. I'm Supreme. Thank you all for joining us tonight. Now, I want to get into the list here because this list is very precarious in my in my particular opinion. They have at the very top of the list, George Kittle, the tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. And while that's a fine selection, in my personal opinion, Travis Kels, and everyone's been saying his name the wrong way for everyone's information. It's not Kelsey, it's Travis Kels. 
he's the best tight end in football. There's, I mean, he's not the greatest blocker, but as far as a route runner, as far as an athlete catch radius, what he does to make that that offense in Kansas City click and 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 turn and burn. They run through him. It's not it's not the Tyreek Hill show. It, 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 obviously, Patrick Mahomes is just a god. He's the unicorn. But really, the offense flows through Travis Kelsey, in my opinion. I mean, you're wrong. Three, four years ago, <laughs> I mean, I would agree with you. But no, best tight end in the NFL right now is Darren Waller. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about catch radius, athleticism, route running. Yeah. Like, this guy's a receiver in a tight end body playing tight end. Um, He's a better blocker than Travis Kelsey is. I mean, Kelsey isn't bad, and Darren Waller is not either. Like, I'm partially poking at you because, I mean, there's three tight ends that if you say they're, they're the best tight end in it, I'm not really going to argue with you. I mean, Travis Kelce is one of them, George Kittle being the other, who, if you want to talk about injuries, I mean, he's been struggling to stay healthy as well. I mean, yeah. those are the three t- top three tight ends in the NFL, and it goes those three and then everybody else. And you're not wrong there. Darren Waller's fantastic, and he's been really making a name for himself, especially against the Broncos. The Broncos, the best. He has the best bang for your buck value deal, like the Raiders do with his in the NFL, like probably ever at the moment. Like, right, it is insane. And it's crazy just because, like you said, he was he was a wide receiver at Georgia Tech and then made the transition to tight end in the NFL because he's, what, 6'4", 245, something like that. But he, he runs very well. He's very athletic. He has a, a big jump, a big jump, big catch radius. It's 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 amazing. And I'm not going to fault you for saying Darren Waller's the, the best tight end in the NFL. I just I, – I, it's hard for me to say this. I don't necessarily like him as a blocker, but the way that they use him is kind of the way that I want to see the Broncos use Noah Fant, who is, in my opinion, a better blocker than, quite honestly, other than George Kittle, who's the best blocking tight end in the NFL. Noah Fant's very underrated in that aspect. He's He's got the willingness and the desire. He's got some technique aspects he needs to work on, but the strength is there. He wants to do it. I would put Noah Fant over Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. It, like, I don't, I don't know if you can really argue that it's Darren Waller is great as a receiver, but it, as a blocker, he's not an inline tight end. You want to, you want to have him flexed out and use that athleticism. I, I disagree. I have, you, there are multiple games out there where he will handle pass rushers and a pass blocking. Right. Run blocking. Like he does like his techniques better than Noah Fant. He's stronger than Noah Fant. He holds his own better than Noah Fant. Okay. But Darren Waller is better. But it, I mean, every every uh, every evaluation, every analyst has their own, you know, the eye of the beholder here. I I, I think Noah Fant's a little bit better, but that's just my personal opinion. But I, I mean, going back to being wrong, I, I definitely am. At least in your opinion, <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> every everyone has their own flavor, though, you know. And I, yeah. I think that Noah Fant has has the ability. It, it might not be all the way there right now. Darren Waller is is an interesting study because he came along so fast. He was, I think, a former six-round pick, like I said, out of Georgia Tech, played wide receiver, converted to tight end, got into some drug issues over in Baltimore, became a free agent, and the, the Raiders picked him up and turned him into this, this dynamo. And he really is, uh, like Travis Kelsey, he is the, the 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 key cog in that offense to make it go. And if you want to argue George Kittle, that's fine. He's a great athlete, it, uh, another uh, another late-round gem. These top three guys are not first-round picks. That's I mean, that speaks to what their ability is and the, the, the way that they have developed and become these elite pass catching tight ends and uh, elite blocking tight ends and, and everything. So it, it's just, it's really fun to, to get into that now. Well, real quick. I also got, I, I'm going to pound my chest a little bit when it comes to Darren Waller. I remember when he came out, it was not long after I started doing this back when Myla Heddle was first was new and young. And uh, before it is what it is today, 
And I remember writing up a couple articles on Darren Waller saying that Denver needs to take him and convert him to tight end. And kudos to you. I, I actually kind of thought the same thing. I wasn't nearly as prevalent in that, but the, the big body and the way that he worked, uh, worked his catch radius and everything at Georgia tech where they didn't use the like, Georgia tech runs a triple option offense. They don't really use the passing game very often. And as a blocker on the outside, sure. I definitely would agree with you where he was blowing guys up, blowing guys apart at, at the wide receiver position. I just, I, I haven't seen it quite the same way that you have. I also haven't done probably nearly the study on, on games as you have as well. So I'll, I'll just, you know, bow out to you in your opinion on that, but getting back to the list here, the list that Jeremy Fowler and these executives put up, they have George Kittle, number one, Travis Kelsey, number two, and Darren Waller, number three. This is where the list gets even kind of more precarious to me. And it's Mark Andrews at number four, the tight end out of Baltimore. This is a guy that, while he's an outstanding blocker, he's not a guy you want to use very much between the 20s. He's not a, a guy that can really take the top off of the defense. He's got a big catch radius and whatnot. He's really a red zone threat, and that's the way that Baltimore uses him. They He had what? I think it was seven touchdowns. Let me put up, pull it up really fast. Uh, yeah, he had seven touchdowns uh, last season receiving. Um, let's see. He had... Uh, let's see, 58 total catches, 701 yards, seven touchdowns. So they used him qu quite frequently, but for the most part, the big bang for your buck with Mark Andrews is as a red zone threat. I mean, this this isn't a guy that's very shifty. He's not the greatest athlete in the world. He jumps high, has a big big catch radius, and just bullies guys around. It, like to, to me, I want more explosiveness from the tight end position, especially given the young athletes that we have at the position right now in, you know, the Kittle, Kelsey, uh, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, uh, Evan Ingram, even a John Smith as well, who I have uh, not on my top 10, but still he made the list in the top 10. Now, Mark Andrews, Eric, what do you think about him? <laughs> um, he's probably the best blocking tight end there and or one of the best block blocking tight ends in the NFL. And uh, he's actually really good between the 20s. He's not just a red zone threat. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> I mean, his success rate is between the 20s is 60%. What's his target rate, though? Um, His target rate was consistently over 20%, which was the second highest. Wow. Okay. Behind Marquise Brown. Hmm. I mean, Mark Andrews is extremely good. He may not be this great athlete, but he's consistent. He's reliable. He's... Dallas Clark, right? That's it, the, that's the Colts tight end, right? Yeah, the the, the one that w had uh, Peyton Manning. Yeah, like Dallas Clark, and he's doing the. I mean, he's he fits with. The, I mean, he does fit exactly with what Baltimore wants and wants to do, as Buana said in the chat, and I think you mentioned it as well. But I mean, he's just he's just good. He's reliable and uh, just cons like I, I don't know what else to say. I mean. Uh, twelve point one yards per reception. I mean, you're not getting that just being a red zone threat. Right. You're not getting right. over seven hundred yards being just a red zone threat. Right. I guess that goes into recency bias. And again, you do more film study than I do. So apologies for being wrong on that. It's just you, you see the highlight plays of, of some of these other tight ends where they're they're showing that athleticism over the middle of the field and making these these big, long receptions and whatnot. And then you watch Mark Andrews and even Mike Gesicki as well down in Miami. You know, they're they're really primarily used in the red zone for the most part. Like, like that's the highlight plays that they make. They're, they're the guys going up and catching those those 50 50 balls in in the red area. So that that's just kind of I, I guess that's my opinion, which is probably a wrong one. But whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, moving on here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Noah Fant's teammate down in Iowa, the number eight overall pick, the tight end for the uh, Detroit Lions. 
This one's interesting as well. Uh, talk about a, a guy that has been mostly misutilized, a very good blocker, a decent red zone, uh, red zone target. Uh, let's see here. He had, uh, it was actually used very well last season, 67 receptions for 723 yards. That was third most in the NFL and six total touchdowns uh, in all, and he played all 16 games. He had some injury issues, I believe in his rookie season to where he wasn't really utilized that much. So, Hawkinson is a guy that I, I I mean, you're not the number eight overall pick for no reason. This is a good athlete. He's a good blocker. He's really good all around tight end. Um, Eric, what do you think about TJ Hawkinson being at number five or yeah, number five? I mean, I think that it's a very first spot. I mean, um, honestly, their first five, I don't really disagree with from ESPN. I think they're all, all fitting. I mean, TJ Hawkinson, he's another guy. He's a really good blocker. He's got, I mean, I would put him over Mark Andrews if he was able to stay healthy last year. But, I mean, right now, Mark Andrews, he's been consistent. He's been reliable for a little bit longer. Um, TJ Hawkinson, he's got the athleticism that Mark Andrews doesn't have. Right. He's up there for being one of the best blockers in the NFL, and he can make some big plays between the 20s and the red zone. I mean, these are just good tight ends, and it's after them that my issues with ESPN really comes into play. And it's right after those two – because like we made our own list, and I have it as Waller, Kels, Kittle, Andrews, Hawkinson, and then it would be Fant for me right there at number six. Right. So it, for me, it would be Travis Kels, George Kittle, Darren Waller, and Noah Fant. I, I value that explosive athleticism that he has over TJ Hawkinson and then Mark Andrews right after that. But the list after this just gets wonky, and especially at number six overall, uh, Dallas Goddard, the tight end from the Philadelphia Eagles. And I mean – you want to talk about an, an uber athlete. This kid is just incredibly athletic, really long, lanky. But I just – I don't understand how you can put Dallas Goddard on this list right now, especially over a Noah Fant. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, Noah Fant had uh, – he had more catches, more yards, and I think even more touchdowns than Dallas Goddard. Yeah, he had, uh, so let's see here. Uh, Noah Fant had 62 receptions. Dallas Goddard had 46. Noah Fant had seven, uh, 673 uh, receiving yards to Dallas Goddard's 524, and they had the same amount of touchdowns. It's just it's it's a wild to me that people see more athleticism and and uh, more ability in Dallas Goddard than Noah Fant. It's just wild to me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know Dallas Goddard. He's good. Don't get me wrong. By I'm no argument there. I just don't think that he's top 10 t- tight end at the moment. I mean, he's just been, he hasn't taken this big leap that a lot of Eagle fans think he has. And Zach Ertz, I mean, he's another one on the side. And since we're talking about the Eagles, I'm going to talk about them both real quick. Yeah. Um, They're both just, they're, they're consistent, but they're not consistently as good as guys like Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson, or even Noah Fant. And looking at their receiving success rate, their tours, I mean, they're sitting there 16th, for uh, Dallas Goddard and Ertz isn't even listed. So uh, I actually have fantasy football stats pulled up last season, and uh, Zach Ertz was the 31st ranked uh, tight end in terms of receiving yards. He only had one touchdown last season as well. Now it it is it is an interesting case study because the Eagles last season they had really bad quarterback play. I mean Carson Wentz had arguably his worst season as a pro, probably his worst season as a pro, and then they had Jalen Hurts in, in there as well. It's it. <sighs> 
it's hard because the quarterback play for those guys was even more inconsistent than what Noah Fant got with with Drew Locke and um, and Jeff Driscoll and even the game that they had they had Brett Rippon in there. But still, I mean, Zach Ertz. If this list was made four years ago, he's easily tied in four. He might even be tied in three behind you know Kittle and Kelsey, and that might even be a lie there as well because you know, George, uh, George Kittle really came on over the last couple of seasons. So Zach Ertz for what he is, and uh, maybe we'll see an, a new resurgence with him. It sounds like he might be a Buffalo bill here soon. I mean, there, there's been trade talks about that, but Zach Ertz being on this list, I believe they have him, have him at number 10 as of right now with the, with the injuries that he had last season, the inconsistency, inconsistency of the quarterback play him, not putting up the, I mean, he's been really a statistical anomaly and he's not a great blocker either at the tight end position. Like he's really more of a, a, a true slot stretch the field vertical threat tight end. He's not a, a great red zone threat. He is the guy that you want to have between the twenties, you know, like it's, it's just strange to me that Zach Ertz and uh, Dallas Goddard are on this list over Noah Fant. And here's the thing with talking about Noah Fant and, uh, and all this stuff. Well, obviously quarterback play goes into it and Noah Fant still did more with the quarterback that was yep. just right there with the Eagles quarterback than those two guys. Yep. So like, I don't, I, this is the one that I don't see how anybody can put them on there except for da- for name recognition. Yep. Dallas Goddard, he was a small school kid who came into the NFL and had a lot of hype surrounding him and his name still every year is mentioned as, Oh, he's, this is the year he's going to break out and he still has yet to do it. So I, I don't know. Those are the two, those are two of the ones that I really don't get with or agree with Hunter Henry. We've just discussed him. I'm fine with him being on there. He had right. a really good year last year. And if they're looking at it just last year, then which is how I did when I made my list, I was looking specifically mostly at last year. Um, one exception was uh, George Kittle. Um, but I mean, Hunter Henry, he was, had a good year. Evan Ingram, I mean, he had a solid year, but I mean, injuries just hasn't been that great. His blocking is some of the worst blocking there is in the NFL. And Johnny Smith, as much as I like him and as much of a weapon that he can be, like, just it's weird to me that he made the list over it. I mean, I mean, other names, just not talk about George Fant. Mike Jacecki, he didn't make this list, and he's been a really good playmaker at tight end. Yep. Logan Thomas, like, yep. he deserves to be on this. I know that he's he's a former quarterback and everything like that, but he's transitioned extremely well. Yes, Talking about Darren Waller, he's kind of following the same foot pa- or the same path. And uh, Rob Gronkowski, I know I know you're going to sit here and say that it was a down year for, him, but it really wasn't. He was far more efficient last year. Um, was a top tight end for them. Made a bunch of big plays. Was reliable, good blocker. Like he just, it was Rob Gronkowski of old. He just didn't have to be the primary guy like he had to be in New England. Right. And that's, I guess that's where it comes down to is the efficiency. And I mean, we're looking at it as base statistics here, at least I am, you know, the, the catches, yards, touchdowns, stuff like that. And Gronk had a fine, uh, a fine season last year. He had what, 45 catches uh, for 623 yards and seven touchdowns, which I mean, seven touchdowns for Rob Gronkowski at what, 31 years old is just phenomenal. He, he took a, a year off of football and came back and still played at a high level. I'm not saying that he's, it was, he was bad last year. It's just not the same typical Gronkowski that you see. I mean, this is a recency bias that I have. Um, he's not having, you know, 80 catches for 1,000 yards and 10, 10, 12 touchdowns. It's not the, the same Gronkowski. But also it goes into, again, the quarterback play. And what other receiving oh, weapons are around right. you? He didn't have 10 touchdowns. He had seven. Sorry, that wasn't good enough. Well, I, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying – I had to poke fun at right. you for that one. No, it's definitely – With Mike Evans that. and Chris Godwin, those, right. those three extra touchdowns is what did it for you. 
No, not really. It was just <laughs> a, it, he wasn't that big prevalent receiving threat that we had seen before. You know, I mean, he, he had, like I said, he had 45 catches and 600 yards. Like we're, we're used to seeing Rob Gronkowski back, you know, in the what 2015, 16, 17 seasons. He had what 80 catches for a thousand yards and 10, 12 touchdowns a season. He was the best tight end in the NFL. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with what he did last year. It's just uh, going and this this list was actually based for 2021. So is is Gronkowski going to be able to have that same and and uh, sustain that ex- that oh, success so they last season? For, they were looking at it for twenty twenty one. Yep. I mean, that's a good question. Can Gronkowski sustain that? We don't know. And just so you know, his forty five catches is actually more in line with his career average than. Wow, like I the did. big ones. He only had, I mean, two seasons, three seasons, over seventy. One season at sixty nine. But I mean, like talking about target share and everything, again, this comes down to weapons on there. Right. New England, they didn't have those weapons. Tampa Bay does. Right. I mean, uh, Julian Edelman, I, I shoot, I don't even think I can think of a, another receiving threat that the, the Patriots the had. Kill Harry. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about when, Which, when Gronkowski gets at the height of being ground. I'm going to take this opportunity to crap on the New England Patriots for how bad they are at drafting. Like, I've never understood where this. Thing that Bill Belichick's a great drafter comes from. He isn't like it hasn't been for a long time. They've had some big hits in the mid late rounds and they're consistently whiffing and whiffing worse on earlier picks than the Broncos do. Like, right. It's just weird to me that there's this weird, it's just weird. Like, yeah. Weird uh, stigma, weird, whatever. Got a quick shout out to Andrew Baker here donating uh, donate donating some stars here uh, hashtag Mile High Huddle for life go uh, hashtag Eric Lance Beast love the deep dive it's beyond my intellect but love the insight thank you Andrew for joining us and thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast um, so to, uh, we already ran through the the rest of Jeremy Fowler's top ten here is Dallas Goddard then Hunter Henry Evan Ingram Johnu Smith and Zach Ertz now Eric. We were at number five on our list for the most part. Who are the last five top ten tight ends that you have for your, in your opinion? Well, Noah Fant was number six. Then I had Logan Thomas right behind him. I had Mike Jacecki, Hunter Henry, then Rob Gronkowski. Okay, so the last five that I have, so I'll just run down the top ten. Uh, Travis Kels, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, that's the top five. Uh, Mark Andrews, Logan Thomas, Mike Gazicki, uh, excuse me, uh, Rob Gronkowski, and I have Evan Ingram. I actually like Evan Ingram. He's not uh, your prototypical tight end, though. This is a big slot receiver. I, I think that the way that, that New York could actually use him, and they didn't necessarily use him that that well last season for the most part, in that aspect as far as the receiving prowess, he had 63 catches, 654 yards, and a touchdown, and he played all 16 games. It's the, the, the added receiving prowess of him, the athleticism that he has, the ability to create those explosive plays. I think Evan Ingram is a little bit underrated for the most part. I know that the the, the, the NFL executives have him in the top 10, but for what he is as far as a player, I think that there's a, 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 big, uh, a big untapped potential with him as a receiving threat in this league. What year was he drafted again? Uh, that would have been the same year that OJ, uh, it was OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, Bucky, Bucky Hodges. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It, so, it, it might've been 2008. It was one of the, or actually was, was he the, it was was 2017 that the, same was the same year as Garrett Bowles because and there, David was and lot, there was some stuff reported that if Garrett Bowles wasn't available for the Broncos, Evan Ingram would have been their pick. Wow. Okay. And I like David and Joku a lot better than, uh, than Evan Ingram and David and Joku has 
quite honestly been miscast as a Cleveland Brown. And I'm not exactly even sure where he's at right now, but that's another guy that might be sneaky. If he's used in the right situation, he has, is he still with the Browns? Okay. Well, I know they got Austin Hooper last season and he kind of bit into the target share there for, for uh, David and Joku. Going back to the list though, it's just, again, it's wild to me that, you know, Mike Gazicki's left off of this. Uh, Logan Thomas is left off of this. Rob Gronkowski, obviously Noah Fant is, is out of there as well to, to have Dallas Goddard, to have Zach Ertz, to have um, John U. Smith, who I like John U. Smith as well. I actually wanted to put on, wanted to put him on my, uh, on my top 10 list, not the, the best blocker, really good athlete, re- great receiver. Um, and the way that Tennessee used him in play action with uh, with Ryan Tannehill coming off of the run action of Derrick Henry and whatnot, using him over the middle of the field, stretching the seams and stuff like that. That that's another guy. Johnu Smith might be an honorable mention at least. Eric, what do you think about that? Johnu Smith would definitely be an honorable mention. He just kind of flies under the radar. And part of the issue with him too, playing for Tennessee, I mean, he got plenty of recognition from these executives that made this list, but in terms of the wider scope of it, he doesn't get that much recognition. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, they take all that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and obviously what AJ Brown's doing on the outside, they had Corey Davis there as well. And now they get Julio Jones coming in this season. Not that John is going to be affected by that because he's one of the the two pair that they have with Hunter Henry up in, uh, in new England now. And I'm, I'm kind of curious how that's going to work. Can you project just a little bit Hunter Henry, John Smith with, with Cam Newton or McCorkle Jones up there in new England. What do you think about that combination? That might be pretty lethal. I mean, it could be. I'm very interested to see what they end up doing, either quarterback. But, I mean, who are the receivers still? Like, do, they, uh, do they have anybody? Like, I, that, that's the big thing with them is that they, they consistently can find decent tight end help. It's just they just can't get receiver help, and you have to have re- solid receiver help to be able to consistently move the ball. Right. Well, and I mean, the, going back to when Hunter Henry was drafted, there was a lot of people saying baby Gronk, you know, like this kid's going to be the next Gronkowski. He's a great receiver, great blocker. Then you have the athletic freak in John U. Smith. Is this Rob Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez 2.0 up that way? Is that I kind mean, of the scope of the offense that they're going to run? I mean, they had Julian Edelman, but they don't have anybody like that at the receiving position. So are one of them going to Kill, go on a killing rampage? Oh, come on. You had to go that way? Really? I did have to go there. <laughs> you mentioned that guy's name, so yes, I have to go there. Right, I'm just talking about on the field and, and the way that uh, Josh the McDaniel... The tight ends that they had, Ron Gronkowski and his partner, yes, this could be something similar to that. I, I mean, obviously, you can't remake that. Right. They can do something similar to it. Right. It's just, it's a very interesting pair to me. Now we we got into kind of an interesting, since we're talking about uh, talking about the tight end position, let's round this around to the Broncos before we get out of here. We, we, we are having this conversation with John behind the scenes about the Broncos tight end position, obviously Noah Fant, who we think is a top five, six tight end in the NFL, but behind him, it's a myriad of issues. This is going to be a very interesting camp battle. Quite honestly, you've got Eric Salbert. You've got Andrew Beck as well. Albert Okwebanam, who is coming off of that torn ACL. Um, Austin Fort, who's coming off a torn ACL as well. The second tight end position is kind of up for grabs right now. Who do you think is the leader in the clubhouse as of right now, based on any insight that you potentially have? No one. <laughs> I mean, like looking at it is Andrew Beck. He's not an inline tight end. Albert no. Okwebenam, he's not an inline tight end. Um, Eric Sobert, he's not the best inline tight end. Awesome Fort, we have no idea what he is. Um, there's another tight end on the roster, too, that I can't think of the name. Yeah, I'm, for, I'm forgetting the name Which, there. That tells you everything you need to know there. Much. 
Um, they don't have a number two or number three tight end. Like, I understand that Nick Vanette, a lot of Bronco fans hated him and everything, but he was still the best blocking option they had, the best guy to be the number two guy. They don't have anything like that. So it's going to be an interesting battle, to say the least, of how it's going to work out, I guess, because you're just trying to fit a bunch of people who don't actually fit that into that role. So we'll see what happens. Knock on wood, it turns out well. Yeah, it's... Like I said, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. But I'm very like everyone's talking about, you know, the Achilles heel of this Broncos team being, you know, the the linebacker position, what's going on at right tackle, Wood, Cushionberry, Quinn Miners at the center position, but tight end too. And not that Pat Shermer likes to use a lot of tight end too. He's, he's more three wides, you know, one tight end, one running back, 11 personnel. Um, Don't say that to Nick. Nick will jump you for it. Why? Because so in actual league average, Denver was actually right there with the league average last year. Okay. And Pat Shermer per, pretty consistently has been right there around the league average. Hmm. But I mean, like he, one thing you have to factor in is that his last year in New York, they dealt with so many injuries at wide receiver last year with the Broncos. They dealt with injuries at wide receiver. That yeah. does play a factor into using more tight ends. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. There was, there was a time that the Buffalo bills game, I believe later towards the end of the season, they had four tight ends on the field at the same time, but uh, typically going back to the Pat Shermer offense from what he did uh, for the most part within Minnesota, even with when he was with the, the Cleveland Browns, um, even at New York for, for a time there, it was mainly one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. And we're going to try to spread the field vertically. That's, that's what he does. So well, not just it, not, vertically. It, well, it, it's not spreading it vertically. It's just maximizing your spacing. Right. Like spreading out, I don't think is the right term. I think it's maximizing your spacing is the best way to actually put it. Because, yeah, he's going to spread it out um, deep as well. But he's going to try to maximize all that spacing, having your deep route to open up more everywhere yep. else. A lot of intermediate shots, intermediate crossing routes, deep shots over the top. Um, and then for some reason we didn't see it last last year but the passes to the running backs out of the backfield was something that this team desperately needs and they they've got a couple of options we now Javante Williams the, we saw it in the we did. final about 5 4 5 weeks or so when Drew Lock started to look good yeah, and we did, and that was the design of the offense was to one read, two read, check down to the to the running back out in the flat. Read the safety, take the high shot, take the low shot, or take the dump off. Yeah, and it's I I don't know it, this this season is going to be so interesting to see how and if Pat Shermer is going to evolve himself into a, oh. a better play caller, which probably is not going to happen. He's very rigid. And he wants old dog new tricks. That's very true. That's very true. But uh, anyways, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Great conversation tonight, Eric, and I appreciate you for punking me several different times. <laughs> anytime, <laughs> but, anytime. Just wait until uh, September 26th. I'll punk you in person. I mean, that's, that's going to be great. great. It's going to be really great. Uh, no, I mean, beat me down if you have to. I, I'm, I'm not scared. I can take a bullying every now and again. I mean, you bully us all the time in the group chat. He doesn't. He really doesn't, guys. But uh, anyways, guys, that's going to do it for us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers. You guys can find me on Twitter at SandersonMHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, for Bawana Beast, John Cronenberg at John KMHH as well. While you guys are at it, John, let me have the sticks here for a second. Uh, make sure you guys, where are all of our banners at? I'm not sure where they went. There they are. Uh, so while you guys are at it, follow at Mile High Huddle. That's the mother account. Uh, that's where you're going to get instant news and analysis on your Denver Broncos, including film pieces like the Jerry Judy piece that I have coming this week. Uh, what Eric's going to be doing here directly uh, as a as, as a full-time staff member, opinion, opinion articles, anything regarding Denver Broncos news, you're going to find it at Mile High Huddle. 
uh, on Twitter. Also, Facebook supporters, make sure you guys go to facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. Uh, click the blue become a supporter button. That's where you're going to get premium content like Kellerman's Corner, which is hot takes that hold water on Sundays at noon. And also like my buddy Eric's uh, Eric's show, The Trickle Zone. Eric, what do you have on The Trickle Zone this week? Well, hopefully my power doesn't go out like last week. Had some uh, issues there. I mean, can't do an internet show without power. So hopefully I'm actually able to do it in the morning and no power issues. And instead of doing it last week, we'll be talking about the defensive training camp battles that are obviously coming up in training camp. Yeah, it's going to be going to be a great show. Like I said last week, safety number three is going to be very intriguing. What does Baron Browning do? What does Justin Cernod do to potentially unseat uh, Josie Jewell from his starting role? Going to be a very fun show for you guys. Uh, guys, if you guys are financially able to do so and willing to do so, head on over to huddleuppod.com. That's the merch tent. That's where you guys can get yourself a hat, a T-shirt. There's a hoodie, a face mask, a coffee cup. There's a onesie for your baby, something for the guys, something for the gals, anything to suit your fancy. If you're able to do so, huddle up pod.com that's where you're going to be able to get that and if you guys are not financially able to do so or just don't really want to because rock and swagger your favorite podcast is not kind of your bag you guys all need to be doing these three things which is number one subscribe where you guys are watching this podcast on facebook youtube especially uh twitter twitch um Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you guys get your podcast content, subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, especially on YouTube, it's a great way to help the show. And if nothing else, if you guys love it and you want it to get in front of as many Broncos fans as possible, share it. Share it. That's the greatest, most organic way you can do to help us grow our following and grow what we do best here at Mile High Huddle, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, before we get out of here and go enjoy the rest of our weekend, guys, Eric, you got anything else for us? Well, I want to shout out Peter Middleton here for a donation of stars. We appreciate that, Peter. Thank you. And I also appreciate the the kind words, man. I mean, thank you for your congratulations. Thank everybody who reached out to me on Twitter and congratulated it, congratulated me for it. Um, I mean, I remember when I started doing this years ago, I never thought that I'd be able to do it full time. Um, being able to leave what I do, being able to work from home with my daughter and uh, not have to have my mom come watch or like super excited for that. I'm super excited to be putting out more content and more content with substance. Um, film articles are coming back. I'm going to be aiming to do a film article every single weekday. Um, so look at a bunch of those coming every week. Uh, super excited. Thank you again, Peter, for the, the congratulations, man. Super excited. Yeah, and thank you, Peter, for being a staunch supporter of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I know you're over in Turkey. It's 3 a.m. when we go to start, and every single week you're here in the chat, getting the chat going, showing your support, and we definitely appreciate you. Um, I wish that I could send you a T-shirt. I'm not sure if we ship to Turkey or not, but I would definitely be able to do that. I would be willing to do that if I was able to. So maybe I'll look into that. Uh, Peter, again, thank you for everything. Uh, you're not from Turkey anymore, but from Cambodia. Okay, so that's that's kind of a new a, a new change there, but. Uh, Anyways, Peter, we definitely appreciate you guys. Now, again, thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. That's going to do it for us. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great and safe rest of your weekend. We'll see you guys next uh, next week, same time, same place. And as always, before we get out of here, go Broncos.